Hey guys, welcome back to Girl Meets Show, the relationships podcast for people in a relationship with TV. I'm Jordan. And I am Taylor. We are back this week with a very special Oscars Best Picture episode. I was realizing that we had covered almost all of the Best Picture nominations, so we figured we'd wrap up two more. So we will be talking about Promising Young Woman and Minari on this episode and then that leaves us with we've talked about all of the all of the nominees except for the father we've covered judas and the black messiah mank nomadland sound of metal and the trial of the chicago seven so if you miss yeah, those episodes you should go listen to those it's pretty cool that that that's worked out just because there's so many available on streaming yeah, like I was even shocked because I was thinking that most of these would be like $20 to rent, but I was surprised that like Promising Young Woman was only $6 to rent on TV. So it was even cheaper I, than the theaters. Yeah, I was shocked when I saw that. I mean, I feel like it hasn't been available to rent for that long. No. Maybe it has, but I don't feel like it, feel like that price dropped pretty quickly, which I was happy to see. And now probably more people will stream it. Yeah. Um, I did check because I, Jordan and I both saw Minari in theaters, but Minari, I think is still the $20 rental fee. And I think that the father is also available to rent on VOD, but is also $20. But it's really nice because I feel like for the most part with the Oscar nominated films, there's times where like some of them haven't even like been widely released yet, or like they're only playing in like really specific like indie theaters and so yeah it's really cool yeah that's extremely cool like you might have to pay more for some of them or you might not have the correct streaming platform or something like that but Mm -hmm. they're available and like you can find a way to watch them easily i didn't really think about how rare that is that's cool i know it's great but first tv news um, Jordan, what do you have for us this week? Well, one of the biggest TV stories from this last week is that um, the definitely the biggest star to come out of Bridgerton, Reggae Jean Page, is officially not coming back for season two, which on the one hand is not that surprising because as we've discussed, um, season two is not focusing on him or Daphne for season two, but it's I was still surprised because I was definitely expecting their characters to come back for at least part of some episodes or something. And it's like, he's, I mean, is obviously the most famous person to come out of the show now and the most recognizable person. And it seems like easy money to just like pop in. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's just interesting because... I hadn't really, I don't, I don't necessarily think about Bridgerton that much now that it's over or like the first season's over after watching it, Mm -hmm. but knowing that he's not in it at all for season two, I was kind of sad. Yeah, I was too. And I mean, the people are freaking out. I have like three different news outlets bookmarked about this news and like I've seen it everywhere Mm -hmm. and it's interesting, like, they announced it on, like, the Bridgerton, like, official Instagram account, and then, like, he posted his own Instagram, like, thanking the fans and, like, saying goodbye, 
A, I'm just surprised that it's coming out now because I know they're already filming season two, so I'm a little bit confused by that. B, I've read some things that kind of talk about like the contracts and how they think that this could have just been like a slip up and like they just didn't get contracts that were longer than one season, even though they should have, not realizing how big of like a phenomenon it would be kind of thing. Okay, that is very interesting. I hadn't read anything about that. Yeah, I don't know if it's true, but I think it is really fascinating. I saw something that said like, they were kind of freaking out and realized that they did that. And so now they're going to be having characters sign longer contracts. But here's the other thing that I feel a little bit. I was surprised when they announced that he was hosting SNL. I felt like it was really quick, really soon. And I feel like SNL doesn't usually just like let newcomers uh, host that quickly. Do you agree with that yeah. or am I crazy? I No, I agree with that. He is so big currently, but also like Bridgerton was a few months ago now that it's like, is he kind of a flash in the pan, you know? Like that, I never really thought about that, but that's true that it's almost like they kind of let someone like kind of like simmer for a little while and then they host like to really see if they're going to stay famous. Yeah, Maybe. like, I feel like it's just pretty rare for, like, a, I mean, he's been in a couple of things, but, like, this is, like, his first big break, and now I'm hearing things like he's being considered for, like, the new James Bond or something like that, and it's just, like, a little confusing. Like, should we test his acting skills a little more, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> well, I was even surprised that he, like, won, he's been winning some acting awards for Bridgerton recently. Wow. Um, and that really surprised me. I don't, I think, I mean, I stand by that he was, uh, one of the best in the show, but I don't necessarily think it was because he was like better at acting. I just think that he was like one of the only compelling people. Yeah. And I just think, I think it's hard to separate his, like the acting chops from, the his attractiveness and also the sexy yeah. role that he was playing like those things come are like really really mixed together and I think it's really hard to separate the two and so that's why I just feel like I don't know but you know that's one I... of the things I've seen is that like he has a lot bigger projects available to him now so like why would he do another season of Bridgerton yeah, I, I think almost, I mean, like, I don't blame him at all for being, like, I don't want to get pigeonholed as, like, only totally. a period actor and, like, kind of only the, like, I'm the hot guy of this show, um, which is still so funny because, like, literally no one else cares about any other boy on that whole show. And there's, like, so many of them, but he's, like, the only one people like. In my head, I'm, I'm trying to think of a comparison to him, and I'd almost compare him to, like... Like, his current fame is almost like how obsessed everyone was with Noah Centineo for that the year that um, To All the Boys first came out. Yes. Um, Good comparison. And he didn't get invited to host SNL, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it is almost like if they had been... But, he, but on the other hand, he does have all these projects coming up. And I think that he was really charming in the first To All the Boys I've Loved Before movie, and he hasn't really done anything that good acting-wise since. 
Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if it, who knows how it'll play out. I mean, Reggae Jean Page is older. Um, and I, he has done more stuff. Like if you look through his IMDb, he's been in things. And so like mm-hmm. he has technically more experience than Noah Centineo, but like, I don't know. It's very interesting. Yeah. I don't know. The James but- Bond thing is interesting too, because like Daniel Craig wasn't really anybody before that either. So maybe that kind of would work. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I'm not opposed to it. I'm just surprised. Yeah. It's like we want to rest this whole huge franchise on your shoulders and like we don't really know you. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just so interesting. And I'm really interested in the actors like getting trapped in like franchises. Yeah. Bridgerton, they're like planning on Bridgerton being a huge franchise. So it's like good for him for getting out, I guess. It's just, yeah. I don't know. I saw that, I read something that in some interview today, he actually said, like, um, that's the point of these like romance novels is that they're like a one, like uh, the story, story arc is in that one book, even though they're tied throughout um, the stories all, all kind of combine. So he was like, it was presented as a one arc story and like a one season story. So like the, and that's how it should be kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I, I totally see where he's coming from. Yeah, I agree with yeah. I totally it's see just, it. It's just it's definitely interesting. Like he I mean, he's the fan favorite and I feel like the only fan favorite, so it's just going to be interesting like like you know they had all those stats about season 1 was like the most watched Netflix thing mm-hmm. or something like that. I doubt they'll get I think people will still tune in for season 2, but I don't think I think this is going to affect that. Yeah, it'll be interesting for sure. Okay. I have another hot, hot take that I'm excited to talk to you about. Ooh. Um, that might get us in some hot heat. Is that how? What do you? How, what do you say? Uh, hot water. Hot water. Yeah, that's it. Give us like we might get some heat for it. Slash, mm-hmm. hot water. Hot, um, hot heated water. <laughs> um, so Netflix signed a deal with ryan johnson for two knives out sequels and i apparently it was like 450 million dollar deal and daniel craig will be returning i am just shocked yeah i don't know about that i mean i don't know anyone else besides us who don't really like knives out i know i know we're in an anomaly here we i feel like i should have said that like jordan and i don't love knives out even though we know that everybody else does and that's okay yeah and i feel like we have i mean we've discussed ryan johnson recently that's true we're something else and i think we came clean about that (laughs) um i um i knew i mean like it was we all knew that they were working on a sequel I Maybe I didn't, because this felt like brand oh, new news to me. I knew they were working on a sequel, and I think I also knew that it was going to center on Daniel Craig. I think I knew that, but I'm really surprised at already wanting to do a third when I don't think they have... I don't even know... I feel like... The, well, I don't, I'm not an expert, but 
I don't even really know how much they have planned of the sequel yet already. So it's really seems a lot to sign on to a third movie, like make a trilogy out of a movie that was theatrical. And so I feel like that takes a lot longer to to film. Like how much further down the line is a third one going to come out? We don't even really know anything about timing of the second one. And I'm kind of surprised that that Ryan Johnson agreed to go take it to Netflix. Like, doesn't that just seem like a step down? It does to me. I mean, if you look at the... I think it's just the time, I guess. I don't know. I just feel like in it... I mean, we've discussed kind of like the differences between... Like how impressed we are when we see a, str- a movie that was made for streaming that feels as good good enough to be a theatrical release... Yeah. Um, and so it's like I have this bias in my head that like a movie made for streaming, I probably it probably won't be up to the same caliber. So it's it's it almost feels like made straight to video, you know, which isn't fully fair. But that's yeah, kind of I feel how like if I feel like it might be time to try to convert your thought processes there. Because yeah, I mean, I guess so. Mm, I guess like Mank is probably the only one. Maybe Sound of Metal, actually, and The Trial of Chicago 7. Like, those three shows, I think, were made for streaming. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the thing is that, like, I'll have to see, I guess, those are all good examples of streaming movies that were really good. I feel like the percentage of movies that I watched that that were made for streaming, the percentage of ones that I feel like are that level of quality is still very small yeah but maybe for like a sequel especially something that had like a cult following for the first one um mm -hmm. moving it to streaming you will get maybe even more viewers i don't know though i have no idea that's just me talking out loud and I, i mean these are things too that like obviously the filmmakers like i'm not smarter than them you know like they obviously are thinking about this and um like this like that tiktok where the money reside where the money reside yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) i feel like like this you're right it's going to be it was already going to be a super buzzworthy sequel already Mm -hmm. so yeah i don't know i think i think just the nature of it surprises me but um it'll be extremely extremely interesting i feel like this is like this act is like a game changer yeah i agree guess we'll see did you have another piece of news yes i have one more piece um (laughs) this is not i'm i'm not like a powerpuff girl's head i feel like i'm always saying things (laughs) but i'm really excited because donald Faison just joined the cast um and i love him he's just like a uh american treasure from clueless to scrubs to remember the titans he's an icon he's playing the professor you know like on powerpuff girls there's like he's not he's like the professor who made them Mm -hmm. invented them or whatever and that's who he's playing and i was like wow very intrigued by this casting i love him they just keep adding people that make us more and more tied to watching it seriously and i'm still like confused that it's even like a real show so 
I'll just keep staying tuned, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. My last piece of news, I'm not, I've never watched, (laughs) I've never watched this show, but I found this news interesting. Um, Ariana Grande is joining The Voice. Yes. I was truly shook. I mean, they still have like big names like Kelly Clarkson and John Legend are still like big names, but they're also people who like are older and have families and like don't put out as much music and Mm -hmm. it makes more sense for them. And like she's replacing Nick Jonas, who I think also kind of had a, a lag of like music for a while. Yeah. Well, and she is like she's much more on top of the game than he is yeah like fame and music career it's so funny I was actually just listening to a podcast and they were kind of talking about this briefly today because it the voice itself is so weird because like the judges like I forget because it feels like this feels like a step down to for her to me but it's like Mm -hmm. I mean I guess the judges are like, I mean, some of the, like, I, who knew who Blake Shelton was before? I didn't. And now I'm like, <laughs> I guess he's, like, I everywhere. wish I d- still didn't. I know. It's not, like, <laughs> notice I, I don't care about him, him but it's, all. like, we, we don't care about him and we know who he is, you know? Like, it's yeah. weird. It's very interesting. Yeah. I don't know what it means, but. Also, like, Ariana Grande is, like, funny. And so, she like, is now very we'll. funny. I don't really get the vibe. Like, she's not really, like, a young musician who, like, boomers really care about. But, like, boomers love the voice. So, like, now will they, like, love Ariana Grande? Maybe. A great question. Is she? Yeah, I'm excited for, like, people to see, like, her personality. Because she also is kind of shy, you know? Yeah, I think people, I think that people who uh, only know, like, her pop persona are going to be surprised. Because she's, like smart and funny and yeah she is like oddly shy mm-hmm. hmm. I mean it's it's so funny because I'm like I'm not gonna start watching the voice but I'll like what I'll watch some clips of her <laughs> <laughs> yeah same all right for our top three we are naming our top three favorite shows from the uh best picture nominations um, I have seen all of them and Jordan has seen all of them, but the father. So we felt like it was, it was okay to rank them now. Um, I feel like my ranking of these has like changed every day. So you might hear me say something again, something else later, but here's what it is today. <laughs> I'll go first. I think my third favorite is... Minari. I am excited to talk more about it with Jordan, but um, this movie was just like so special and tender and different than anything we've really seen before. I feel like I feel like there's not that many um, immigrant stories on the big screen, and I remember I like we loved. The Little America show on Apple Plus TV. Um, And I also just loved this. I loved Minari. I thought it was done really well and everyone was so good in it. Yeah, I agree. That's actually my number one. (gasps) 
Wow. Not to jump ahead, but I love it. I just thought, I mean, I feel like these nominations have been very, all the nominees have been very, very good. Yeah, um, I feel like this is, like, shock. I'm shocked. I know we've already kind of talked about this, but I'm pretty shocked by how much I love almost every single movie in the list. Yeah, I've been very impressed. I, um, I think for me, even though I've seen so many things that I have really, really liked and been impressed by, this one had, like, the full package for me. I felt like it had um, – the acting was there. I feel like the universal story also – was there and also like it was it's obviously has like extremely heavy moments and uh I cried in it but it also like was very funny at some parts like it just like it just felt like the full package of what you want in a movie I totally agree well now we jumped ahead to my number one but I'll give my number three when I was looking at the one at the nominees I picked Judas and the Black Messiah I just feel like I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say that um the movie was like fully fully 100% there for me the whole way through but the performances were just like undeniable. Um I thought it was extremely powerful and um yeah. So I gave it my number 3 spot. Wow, I would have never guessed your top 3. I I am loving hearing this. Yeah, the more I think about that movie, the more I like it. That one's gone up on my list as well. I think what helped helped me full like appreciate it even more was um, actually seeing some of the other nominees. Because even though I think, for example, comparing it to Trial of the Chicago 7 and One Night in Miami, I feel like, while I still thought those were good, I feel like some missing pieces were things that Judas and the Black Messiah had. Um, yeah, that makes sense. And so my love for that has just gone up. What is your number two? My number two is The Father. Um, I know it's not fair since you haven't seen it, but I'm excited for you to see it. Um, The uh, performances in that movie are just, like, incredible. And the whole time it's just, like, you're just invested the entire time because you're not sure, like, what's happening. Um, It's definitely a movie that is better to go in, like, completely blind, I think. Um, so I don't even want to say too much, but Anthony Hopkins is like truly amazing and, um, it's just like extremely, it's a really heartbreaking movie to watch and I've been thinking about it almost every day since I saw it and it's been a few weeks now. So, um, if you get a chance to watch it, I highly recommend um, I would say it's even worth paying the $20 to rent it. I am glad that I really haven't heard much about the story, so I'm glad that I will get to go in blind. Yeah, I went into it thinking it was about a priest, which it's not, but if you want to think <laughs> that, it's a really great way to go into it. <laughs> Dang it, thanks for spoiling that. <laughs> a non-spoiler. I don't know. I think I was just like... It's called The Father and also has Anthony Hopkins, who was in Two Popes. So, like, I guess that's where I got the priest thing. I don't know. That makes sense, actually. Thank you. Even though I know that you also, in the last six months, watched Silence of the Lambs. So, (laughs) it's interesting that you still have him as a pope in your head. (laughs) 
Yeah, that is interesting. I should probably That's talk to funny. someone about that. <laughs> well, I was actually thinking about him the other day because you know what I was obsessed with? I was obsessed with the mask of Zorro when I was a kid. Oh, wow. He's in that. So <laughs> <laughs> gotta rewatch that. Um, okay. Love it. My number two, I have Sound of Metal. <laughs> That's my number one. Ugh. As of right now, it really comes down to that versus Minari, of which I love more. I think the only thing is that, and I don't think this makes a movie better. Minari does feel like it's trying to tell a universal story. It Sound of Metal is a very particular story about an experience of a very particular guy slash like the deaf community. But I think that's not a flaw at all. I just like, it was so special. Um... Like, why does this year have, like, some of the best acting in the universe? Like, it's truly (laughs) shocking. Like, no one could have predicted this. No. I thought this were going to be, like, the most embarrassing movies ever. And, like, this list of Oscar nominees. Like, if you told me last year that these were going to be some of my favorite, um, like, a favorite list of Best Picture nominees, I would be like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) But it's true. I know. So, usually I feel like there's, like, two that I I really loved and the rest of them I'm like I either I like respect them and think they deserve to be nominated but I didn't love them like they didn't resonate with me personally you know but like all of these did yeah like I would I mean Mank is my least favorite one but like I still liked it where like I have like there is usually one like, usually every Oscars year, there's, like, a movie that I, like, really hated that, like, I think does not deserve to be on their mm-hmm. cough, cough, shape of water. But, like, yeah, I don't have that at all. It's very shocking. And I would love to know how, I mean, I already love Sound of Metal so much, but, like, how much more would I love it if I saw it in theaters? I don't know. That's something mm-hmm. interesting I'm thinking of now, like, thinking of you comparing Minari versus Sound of Metal, like... Would Sound of Metal be the front runner had you seen it in theaters? I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. Especially because it's like the sound, like the tech, technically the sound in the movie was so impressive. And I was watching it on a TV. Like imagine in the actual theater. Mm-hmm. I bet that would have been amazing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, lots to think about. But lots to be excited about. Um, Okay, well, I feel like that just leads us right into Minari. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to even... It's one (laughs) of those things where it's like, what else do I really have to say about it? I guess I would love to highlight... Well, even even trying to pick out performances to highlight, how can I say the entire family in the movie? Like, Mm -hmm. literally, the kids are amazing. Steven Yeun is amazing. Uh, Yeri Han, who plays the mom, is amazing. Um, like, I wish she could have gotten a nomination as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeo Yoon, the grandma. Um, do I, I hope I she wins the Oscar? She won a SAG award yesterday. Yeah, she did. And, like, that doesn't that just make you want to just cry of happiness? Yeah, it made me like, very, wow. very, very happy. Ugh. Okay, also, it's like, the whole family is amazing. Um, I also feel like Will Patton who plays their, like, I don't know if he's their neighbor. He's, like, the friend who helps with the farm. Mm-hmm. Never seen him in a role like that. I know him best from Remember the Titans. And he was 
also amazing and heartbreaking and lovable too even though he was so weird (laughs) i was i was shocked to see him and shocked at how well he did yeah i mean i feel like i feel like i've kind of covered all of my thoughts basically throughout talking about news and um top three (laughs) but um i completely agree about all of the cast and um the story was just like I really honestly never really knew what was going to happen. Um, I had no idea what decisions were, they were going to come to or like what they were going to do or how the show movie would end. Like I was really on like the edge of my seat kind of like the whole time and mm-hmm. just wanting like the best for all of them. And yeah, it was just like really special to see, to see their story. And it just really made me, um, I know I already mentioned this and I'm really just repeating myself over and over again, but like it may, I just really, I think the stories of, uh, first generation Americans and immigrants are so, um, touching and inspiring and sad and just like, I think more people should see those type. We need more of those stories so that people see exactly kind of what they go through. Because I think that it would help people have more empathy for the for them. And Rami, for example, I think does that really well as well. And is one of the reasons why I love I love Rami and that especially that episode of his mom um taking her oath of citizenship is just so special. Yes. yes. Um but yeah, I think we need more more stories of immigrants. Couldn't agree more. And it's one of those things where I love it so much and I, I, how do I not have more to add, but I feel like you said it so well and I just really want everyone to see this. And I feel like it's the kind of movie that like literally everyone should watch it. Literally everyone. Come one, come all. Yeah. It's a crowd pleaser. It really is. Oh my gosh. It's so good. Okay, well, I are we ready to move on to Promising Young Woman? Yes. Okay. Um, selfishly, I've been basically just like waiting for Jordan to watch this because I've just been so excited to talk to her specifically about this more than anyone else <laughs> because it literally is so many of our favorite people all in one movie. Yes. And I saw it at Sundance in January of 2020. So it's been like a full year and some months since I saw it. So I really have been, this is a year of discussion in the making is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Seriously, that is so wild. It is very weird. Um, So Jordan, what are your thoughts on this movie? Okay. Since I have waited so long to watch this and not because it was one of those things where I was avoiding watching it like we talked about uh with trial of the Chicago 7 or something like that um it just like wasn't happening and then well and I think it just came to streaming like you were just able to start renting it in January yes so yeah it was just I was not intentionally avoiding this movie at all I've always um ever since you saw it last January I've been like, okay, like, obviously this is a movie to see, you know? And I, 
I know a lot of the special things because it has been out for so long were not like a fun surprise to me. Like some of the cast members I knew ahead of time were in it. So, you know, so some of that like magic was lost in like the soundtrack. I still appreciated all of this stuff, but I wish it had that had been a surprise, you know? Yeah. I was anticipating. I was a little nervous because it's been very, very hyped. Mm hmm. And also hyped as, like, a kind of, like, WTF movie. Like, you know what I mean? And so I'm like, if I'm going in knowing that this is going to be shocking, like, will I actually be shocked, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, I definitely, I don't want to spoil anything because I'm actually surprised at how much I did not expect in this movie. Oh, great. Um, Like, I was, I was truly in the dark for everything that's not in the trailer, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that was a great experience and I was extremely shocked. It was crazy. And um, so that was very, that was, I thought it was like some of the darkest fun I've ever watched, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, I really liked it. I thought it was really, really great. The only things that I would complain about is that I, and I couldn't decide if it was, like, intentional, but, like, how there's, like, the bad guys and then the guys that, like, are nice, but they're actually not nice guys. Some of the script, I was kind of like, this is so on the nose that it is, like, cringy a little bit. <laughs> like, some of the guy conversations where it's almost like they're in, like, um, like a sexual harassment training video or something where they're like, this is an example of what not to say about women or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I there are other parts that I was like, where like she's getting catcalled, and then then that part's like, that's on the nose. But then it's like the twist of that is her just like staring at them and them getting terrified of her and stuff like that. <laughs> so there were some some of the parts that were like, okay, I get it. Like this is the bad guy, and like this is a nice guy that's not actually a nice guy. That kind of thing. But then I almost then I was getting maybe too overthinking too that I was like maybe sometimes some things like because it was a cliche I was then thinking that I could predict the rest of the movie and I totally had no clue where it was going so it was almost like lulling me into a sense of security that like okay that's these these guys lines are so stupid that it's like (laughs) so predictable I and but I also think you have to remember that like that's probably predictable to us, but it's because we recognize that in men more than I think most people do, sadly. Yeah, that's I don't know, true. Do you disagree I just with that? No, I think that's I think that's accurate. I just think that um I don't know. There were just some lines that I was kinda like I was like rolling my eyes and not in a way that I'm like that really offends me. And like it is but it's almost like it was over the I don't know. I just didn't. There was towards the beginning. I feel like I was kind of like, okay, I get it. Um, but I didn't feel like that that much. That's. What I'm just saying. I don't know if I loved the whole script per se, okay. but I had a lot of fun watching it, and um, I thought it was really good. Great. But it's hard. It's almost. It's also hard to get in to. I, d- I really don't want to spoil this for anyone who's ever seen it. Yeah, this is another movie that's definitely better to go in completely blind. Um, I'll just add my two cents and then we can go into spoilers. Um, okay. I also 
I mean, I was truly shocked when I watched this film. I do think there is like a heavy trigger warning um, that goes along with watching this film. And um, it does get very dark. And I don't think that that is spoiling spoiling anything. Um, but feels like it maybe should be something that you know going into it. But yeah, I... I really love this movie. I will say I've watched it now three times and I haven't loved it less every time, but the, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, like shock factor, shock factor, but also like the something that's like new and different and exciting. I can't think of the word that's kind of worn off on me. That makes sense. Like the, how fresh, like the freshness kind of. Yes. But, yeah, I think that there are great performances in it, and I think it's a really interesting, it provides a really interesting conversation around men and sexual harassment and cancel culture and how the system protects men. Um, There's a lot of interesting things that come from it, so I just, like, think about it a lot, and I also really liked it. Okay, I feel like we should go into spoilers since we've already been talking about for a long time. I took notes of questions I wanted to ask you. Well, I'm excited. Um, I guess I'll just start off with one of my favorite things that I, I believe has been talked about in interviews with uh, the director, Emerald Fennell, is that she like purposefully had... Um, like lovable men who have been like our favorite TV characters as the men in the show. And wow, did she hit the nail on the head with that one? Yeah. Like everyone mm-hmm. knows Adam, everyone loves Adam Brody, but like um, it was almost like she's been like watching our watch list or something. Yeah. It was honestly crazy. And like, how did, I mean, I know the show was made over a year ago, but like, also max greenfield was like our crush of quarantine and yeah. then also i feel like no one has watched and loved glow as much as we have Mm-hmm. so it just oh like gosh. felt really specific to jordan and i totally i um well and it's so funny too because so chris lowell from glow is also a main character on veronica mars oh yeah i forgot he, about that he plays like no her the main love interest on Veronica Mars is this other guy who's like he's like a bad boy he's always getting in fights whatever and then he is like for one season he is like her nice boyfriend that she like chooses instead of the bad boy so it really is like genius also it's not like these are secrets like their names are all in the opening credits you know so I was like oh yeah him and him and him and he hadn't shown up yet. And I kept being like, I'm not going to look up on IMDb who plays the Al Monroe guy, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, oh, like, are we, we're finally going to see. I, at first I was like, are we ever even going to see who is, who this guy is, you know? <laughs> like, is yeah. he just this off scene character? Because I literally had no clue where this w- ever was going to go. Which I, I seriously, I am, of all the things not to be spoiled for me, I am so happy this ending never was spoiled for me because it. It's one of the most shocking endings to anything I've ever seen. It was, it was so messed up. I was like, 
I, I think part of why I, I was having, I wasn't having trouble connecting with the movie, but if you've seen the trailers, you've seen basically like the first third of the movie. And so that part, those parts were not, they're not like shocking at all, you know? So I was kind of like, if this is what the movie is, where am I going to be shocked? And so then for this whole like murder to unfold, I was just, I was freaking out. I was like gasping and screaming. I couldn't believe it. It was. So I feel like the trailers are very well done basically because like, yeah, yeah they're setting up that it's things you need to know about the movie and it's accurate, but they're hiding all these later events from you. And I really loved that. Um. So anyway, I, wow, I got really off topic, but I was just like, when it when she's walking into the bachelor party and I was like, oh my gosh, it's going to be him. It's going to be Chris Lowell, who's like <laughs> a cutie pie. And he was like the worst one. And it was just so, and he was very good. Yeah, he was, he was great. Oh my gosh. I was very impressed by him. Um, um I don't wow. think you're off topic at all though, because I do want to talk about the shocking ending. When I watched this in the Sundance theater, when he started murdering her like the whole time the whole movie watching experience in the theater was really fun actually because everyone was just having the best time like the music is amazing I'm so jealous that you got to have this in the theater that I I feel like sorry I'm bragging no I mean that's just how it is I mean I still had a blast watching it on my own on my laptop but (laughs) seeing it in the theater with like people especially at Sundance where like no one else has seen this really no so, because, like, I probably one of the most fun movie experiences I've ever had was the first time I saw Get Out. Mm-hmm. And, like, no one, it was, I think, opening weekend. So, like, it hadn't been spoiled for people yet. And it's just, like, fresh reactions of, like, am I seeing what I'm seeing here? Yeah, like, like what oh is happening? Gosh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But, but when the murder started unfolding it was truly dead silent and everyone in the theater was like um what are we watching and I actually found it like very traumatic like I I really didn't like that that was shown and I like couldn't figure out why and I've like been thinking about it for a whole year and plus months and like (laughs) The more I've watched it, the less shocking it is because I know what's going to happen, which I also, mm-hmm. I'm worried about that as well. But um, I've like, I was listening to a podcast the other day um, called Still Processing. It's like a New York Times podcast. And um, they talked about this movie and they made some really great points that I think helped me come to terms with why I feel felt, I mean, it's uncomfortable because she's being murdered, but also they made a good point that I want to ask you this question. Like, do you think that the movie could have been stronger without her dying? Like, do you think that her death needed to be like the point? Like, I feel like the point could have been stronger. Like may the point of the movie would have been stronger had she not died. Because I feel like there was still no like resolution or like redemption at all. Mm. am I stumping you it's just really interesting well, a little to think bit, about I think uh I think that because I don't necessarily disagree with you I'm just trying to think of what 
what I thought in the moment. And I think because I was expecting, even though like her body's there all night, like she's clearly actually dead. But I was also kind of in the back of my head thinking like, she's going to, this didn't really happen. Like she yeah, faked it's this true. somehow. So to me, I, it's almost like I don't really want the message to be like, this is what happens to women, you know, even though I guess mm-hmm. it's true. It does happen to women. But I think that I, I was part of the shock was that it really happened, especially yeah. because I was watching this unfold. It's part of the shock is that I couldn't believe that that is this movie is about her and it's really going to end with her being killed. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't believe that that's actually how the, it's like goes against all movie expectations, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it's not that I want, I feel like her character needed to die, but to present, to have that effect, I feel like she did. But I also feel like I need to think about it even longer. Cause I only watched about, watched it, uh, like two, three days ago. You yeah. Know? It's kind of unfair where I, saw it so long ago and I've read a lot of articles and listened to podcasts about it and yeah have well, been thinking almost, about it for a long time even in the I've been I've been reading some brief I've been I was like scrolling through letterbox reviews after I watched it but I wasn't I haven't been like reading a bunch of think pieces about it you know mm-hmm. and kind of seeing different viewpoints because I almost wanted to like sit in my own opinions for a little bit yeah but I think that's a really good point and I'm gonna think about that more because it is kind of like, what is the message here? Her character is so fascinating, though, too, because it's like, I don't know. Like, she was doing a lot of evil things well, herself. Mm-hmm. Like, so I, not that I'm saying she deserves to die for that, but it's kind of like she, she saw her, like, she had a death wish. Like, she didn't, she has no other plans. She has no like she puts herself in these situations where she could have been killed several times potentially mm-hmm. and then it's like was she like she's in the movie she's called a sociopath like it's like nina's rape also in a way ended her own life because she, like she has her only goals are revenge and then like she doesn't even want to do anything past that you know so it's like Yeah, so that's what is really interesting because she kind of becomes the problem. She, like, Mm -hmm. she's, but, like, I was wondering if you thought, like, do you think she helped any of those guys that she interacted with? Like, do you think she, like, made them realize what they were doing was wrong and helped them and saved them from hurting future women? Or no? No, I don't. I don't think so. I think that, and I think you see, I think that's a great question. And I think you see that in when um, Sam Richardson is taking her home and he's like, mm-hmm. oh, you're the crazy bitch who happened to Jerry, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. It's like she's reinforcing men's quote unquote worst fears about like getting me too Exactly. You know what I mean? And so part of what's so fascinating about this movie is like, I went in thinking, like, okay, so she's going to be this hero, yeah, teaching all these lessons to all these guys or whatever. But it's like, she's not a hero. She's not wrong in her, like, when she's, like, 
lecturing them, you know, or like accusing them. Like she's correct, but she's also wrong. Like Mm -hmm. it's so, it's very complex. It is extremely complex. What, what do you think about that too? That like that same question. Yeah. I don't really think that anything she was doing was, um, beneficial or helping. Yeah. I don't think she was, anything she was doing was like moving the work forward as far as changing any sort of anything that men think about women or how they treat them and their interactions with them and how, what they would do if they saw a woman severely drunk at the anywhere, not even just at the bar. But well, well, one more thing about that Sam Richardson scene, clearly not because he literally heard that story from his friend and then just did the exact same thing again. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah, that's spot on, I think. Uh, The last thing I wanted to bring up is that that kind of ties along with that. The fact that she kind of just became the problem and wasn't solving the problem is also that Another reason why it still doesn't feel like good in the end is because I think we all know that um, even though he's being taken into custody doesn't mean anything like he can still hire good lawyers and probably will somehow get out of it because that's the way the system is set up. And um, so I think that's a really interesting thing, too, on still processing they were saying that you can tell that this film was made by white people because there's like clearly a sense of relief that you're supposed to feel when like all the cops show up to the wedding. But Mm -hmm. um, that's not really the case in real life. And I thought that was a really good point. And so the further I've gotten away from it, the more I've thought like, hey, yeah, like that ending does not feel it was shocking, but, like, it doesn't feel as good as I think it originally felt like it, like, all wrapped up. Like, I think it wrapped up mm-hmm. because she, like, sends the text and, like, she thought ahead of time, like, she was going to be killed. But there's still more more to it. And, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Again, these are I, thoughts that have come to me a year later and after reading yes. and listening to a lot. <laughs> Yes. I mean, it's so true. I think it it's telling that I am a white person watching this movie because, of course, I did feel relieved mm-hmm. and optimistic that it's like, oh, good. They're going to solve everything and he's going to go to jail for life and blah, 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 like all this stuff. So I think that's a really good point. I, um, I almost think. I think maybe. Before, like, it all starts to unravel and she sends the phone to the, to the lawyer or the, yeah, the lawyer guy and stuff. Um, I think one of the parts that was the most haunting in the movie, it was Bo Burnham's character when the police are questioning him and he lies about like, I was where she so, was and stuff. I was so, so sad. I was like, this is so brilliant. He is a nice guy. He's the nice guy. And... He's not like, I, I I felt like sick because I was like, of course that would happen. That was probably one of the most realistic parts of the movie. And it was like haunting and gross. And like, it was like a very, it's a very quiet scene. And yet it was a gut punch. Yeah. It's like, why can't the most realistic scene be the scene in the pharmacy singing, singing and dancing along to stars are blind. 
Like that should be the most realistic <laughs> part. But that was the most one of the most unrealistic parts is finding a guy who would do that with mm-hmm. you who also wouldn't lie to the police in order to protect himself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The reveal that he's on that tape as well watching and didn't do anything. It's like I in this movie I didn't I did not want it to wrap up nicely with them like as like and she finally found a nice guy, you know, like so I was like I liked that for the character arc, but those kinds of things with his character were like some of the most horribly powerful for sure. Yeah, and I think they're the like, most that's... like thought provoking because I think those are kind yes. of the most um realistic things that you have to uh you have to make a decision on in your life, mm-hmm. whether it's like a close friend or family member or someone you're dating and you find like something out like that. Like if you choose to forgive them, if they're genuinely sorry, if they're like, I, I genuinely feel like that was, that was probably the most powerful message to me was his whole character arc because mm-hmm. it is just such a, well, it's um, like a fear. I think that that is like, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Like as single as single people, I think we have that fear of like getting attached to someone, then finding out something horrible we have to reckon with or something. And hopefully, it's not this extreme, but it's very human. I think, or you're like I married think, to this person and never even find out about that thing because yeah. he clearly had moved on and thought it wasn't that big of a deal. He seemed like he didn't even remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I complained about the kind of cliche guy talk, especially like early on in the movie. And I do think it's probably a choice to have it be like so on the nose like that. Yeah. But then seeing the the subtlety of of what comes out about his character really, really drew me in. And it was I, I, I think that outside of the shock factor, which I did think was super effective, but I think that's what maybe made it not feel oscar if that makes sense yeah that makes sense um but i think that the shock factor was effective but what the true effectiveness of the movie was with bo burnham's character yeah is I my agree. thesis statement which I is agree. interesting because i if it's like you're saying like if you take out that she's murdered and stuff like could that have been strong enough to stand on its own mm-hmm I think it could have, but I think it could have. And I think it could have even been more of like a, where do I stand morally type of question as opposed Mm -hmm. to like, oh, murder is bad. And that guy's definitely bad. Mm hmm. But yeah. Yeah. I think dealing in the gray area is much more compelling than the black and white. I feel like we've already been talking about this for so long and we probably just need to wrap it up. But also, we haven't even mentioned Connie Britton's character, who um, I think is just, was a golden cast decision because um, she already knows how to play that, like, um, mentor teacher role and um, goes to show that it's not just men, it's women, too. Totally. But. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. The casting was so effective one other i know we really do need to wrap this up i feel like i really could talk about this for so long especially because i mean even like yeah these questions that you're pitching i'm like i didn't even think about that 
I know. I didn't think about them when I first watched them either. So don't think that I'm that smart. I think that it's something that would have come out over time. Like you, you really did watch this movie so long ago and there is more nuance to it than just her like kicking ass and getting revenge at the very end, even though she died. Like I still can't believe they killed her off. Um, but it's like, these are the kinds of things I want to think about because I feel like it even goes deeper than what's on the surface of the movie. And like, I, I have been really avoiding different articles and stuff about it. I, I feel like there are also some takes. I've seen some people that are like, here are the reasons why I don't like promising a woman. And it's like, I want to read those as well. You know, Mm -hmm. I want to read all of the different takes. Um, there's so much more I could say, but I will save it for offline discussion because I feel like we've we've worn our welcome and talked about so many things but very thought-provoking film clearly but very fun slash terror terrible to terrible terrible to watch honestly that was the best word because it sounded like (laughs) horrifying combined with terrible (laughs) Uh, wow Yeah, I feel like I went in thinking like, wow, I hope that I like this because I feel like I probably have known too much by now. It's been out for so long, blah, 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 you know, but so I was I think part of my fun experience watching it was that I had no clue how much I didn't know. So that was fun. But I think that underneath the fun, there's a lot of questions. Basically, (laughs) Now you need to unpack it all. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, um, who's your crush of the week? Um, it's so funny because all the cast of Promising Woman, Young Woman, there's so many like crushworthy people, but not in these roles. Too too bad. (laughs) So I'm gonna go with Stephen Yun from Minari. Great choice. He is a precious angel. Well, IRL, his character was very good at being very complex, like balancing being a dad who's frustrated with their decisions and everything like that. But he was so, so good. And um, we love him. Yeah, he's got to be my crush, too. Especially, it was funny. I know that you shared this on Instagram and I actually almost shared it on Instagram, but I got distracted. But there's a video of him talking about... um, his like go-to karaoke song is um by o-town and the video was incredible (laughs) and it was he's just like he's so perfect and cute and i love him yeah and he's like a very good singer yeah he sounded amazing yeah very hot loved it all right well It was nice to unpack these things that I've been dying to unpack for over a year now with you and um, happy Oscars watching, catching up, and thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.